All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to People Are Complicated, where we talk about all the things that make people complicated at work and how you can turn those tensions into deep relationships and work that you are very proud of. I'm really excited to introduce my guest today, Ramona Shaw, the new best-selling author of The Competent and Confident Manager. Ramona, Congratulations on being a best-selling author. That's very exciting. And <laughs> I'd love, as a way of introduction to our audience, can you share what led you to writing this book? Yeah. So um, I'm going to go back a few years, maybe a decade, in fact. Uh, I was in a first-time leadership role, and I was kind of thrown into the cold water. It was very much, here's the assignment. You go, and you, you're going to figure this out. And what's interesting, which, you know, I learned not just with the help of Cloverleaf, but also through my own coaching process, that I am a person who kind of thrives with this, these challenges. I would take mm. that on. I felt pretty confident in the moment to, and I thought I was successful so far. I'm going to figure this out myself too. And uh, took on that team. I grew that team or we doubled it. I had, it was in a very male dominated profession. Mm. Um, in a new country, and mm. it was an expat assignment. I hire people almost double my age, and I was trying really hard to lead that team, but without much help. And after about two years of me struggling, not from a performance perspective, but internally just feeling frustrated and sort of like, why is this so complicated? I'm confused. Why am I not getting this? Or why are you not getting this? Why yep. are we all just on the same page? And through that journey, trying to figure that out, I got really interested in leadership development and I saw how this work helped me tremendously. I would say changed the course of my career from yep. then on being able to lead well and grow my team and take on new projects and new working groups, as well as just feeling good about leading and not being yep. so frustrated. And then through that process, I realized that that was really my true passion and I started building my own practice and coaching and training hundreds of new managers, I started to figure out, you know, there are some really, really common themes, some common challenges. And I wanted to put them in a book to help more people um, recognize that it's a lot more than just learning new skills. It really requires a shift in thinking and mm -hmm. a, shift, a shift in our mindset and how we see ourselves as leaders in order to not just succeed as an IC, but then also make that transition into leadership in a successful way. Right. So I hear you telling this story I hear all the time, which is I was really good at doing my individual contributor job, my technical job. I was I was a rock star there. And then I got promoted to manage people and was somehow expected to just understand how to do that. <laughs> like without cool. training. Yeah. We we hear that story all the time. I totally experienced that too. My first time I got managed or like promoted to lead people, I just had zero <laughs> clue what I was doing. I was, I, I totally relate to that. So that's really fascinating though. What I've never heard is somebody taking that challenge and taking what worked well for them and then turning that into a coaching practice and a book and uh, all the media that you put out. So that's, that's awesome work. I'm glad, I'm glad you have done that because it is a common problem that people really need help with. Yeah, yeah, totally. I quickly realized like, oh, I'm not the only one dealing with this. No. this. This, you know, leadership development is really not a an optional, in, you know, my perspective, not an optional thing. It is fundamental to setting someone up for success and for ourselves to, like with any other, you know, with any other thing, we realize, oh, we need training. 
even if right. it, you know, you learn, yeah. I often talk about skiing, you would never go on the top of a mountain and then look down at a very steep hill and think, you know what, let's just figure this out. Let's try. I'm going to be fine. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. I, I get that. But it's so interesting because Darren, my co-founder, and I, whenever we talk about why we started Cloverleaf, we actually use that part of my story. <laughs> like I was promoted to lead people and mm-hmm. I could see that like if you put these pair of people together, they, they're they a rock star team. But if you put this mm-hmm. the same person with somebody else, the team can just fall apart. Why is that? How do I lead these people effectively? I have no clue. So we built a technology and you wrote a book and built a whole practice around it. <laughs> so that's yeah. that's great. Um, all right, Ramona, one thing, maybe you can pull this from your experience you're talking about right now, the first time you became a leader or from another part of your career. We love on this podcast to have people share stories of where they encountered that people are complicated. Where was there a time where you've worked with somebody who was really different from you? And at first there was maybe some friction around that. And then you realized how you could actually use that for you know, combined superpowers. Can you share a story yeah. like that? There are many of them. Um, but yeah. the story that I remember most vividly, because I think it was the most painful to mm. experience and maybe even sort of after the fact, long after that relationship, work relationship ended, I ca- look back and I think, oh my God, I had no clue. Really yeah. had no clue. I think yeah. my heart was in the right place, but my skills and the way that I communicated was really, was really ineffective. So the situation right. is this. I was, like I said in the beginning, I'm um, an Enneagram 3. I'm a mm-hmm. D on disk. I'm all about, mm-hmm. you know, getting this task done, focusing mm-hmm. on achieving results. And when it comes down to the, the details or the methodology that is being used in order to create a certain result, I could kind, I could kind of care less. You know, I've learned right. to em- embrace that. Uh, and lean into it more. I know that it feels uncomfortable, but sometimes really I have to do this because I've yeah. learned the hard way that if I'm too focused on the results, I'm missing big pieces. But at that time in my career, I did not understand that that would be important right. to someone. I didn't even understand. I think my I was so unaware that other people would have different motives, right? Different, the, a different approach to work. I was right. in a high-performing environment where there were probably a lot of high Ds and um, mm-hmm. the people that I worked with. So to me, that was the norm. And mm-hmm. then I had someone on my team who was constantly challenging me um, on the processes or lack thereof that we had to run our team to assign tasks, right. to, um, to review work. And right. this person found a lot of opportunities that would have made us so much better as a team and allowed right. us to scale and to create a better sense of uh, a better increased certainty, right? And transparency in how certain things are allocated, which then also would have probably made people feel like I'm being more transparent and I'm being more fair. Right. But because I was going with the, whatever is the fastest, doesn't really matter my, what, what I'm thinking. It's just let's get this done fast. There is no benefit Mm. in being fair or being transparent. Mm. I blocked that out. And so this person, I remember vividly, came into a meeting with me. It was a one-on-one conversation and said, Ramona, I have this amazing idea because right now, here is how we're running the process. And about 20 seconds into that conversation, I thought, that's not helping us get there faster. Uh, It's also not helping us get there better. I mean, get a better result. It just is more organized. And why would I want to do that? 
Uh, and I shot that idea down. It's like, okay, thanks so much. And no, thank you. Right. Oh, and I, I could see in this person's face, the disappointment, the, um, really that, that sadness, or maybe that, the, then the disengagement from it thinking, you know what, it's always her way and I'm not adding value. And the things that are important to me aren't even considered. I'm not even being hurt. How am I supposed to contribute to this team? And I did not see that at all until way later, right? Going through some realizing, oh my gosh, that's what this was about. Um, And I think, so for me, that recognition of leading and and really pulling out these strengths and appreciating that, we would have, gosh, we would have developed so much more engagement and also better processes. Oh my gosh, yes. Okay, so I want to dig into some things here. So... (laughs) Let's think of that time when when that person walked into the room and had that amazing idea that you thought, no, that's not going to help us go faster. Yeah. What what were you feeling? What were you thinking at the time? Were you thinking like, oh, I'm going to help this person learn? Were you thinking, oh my gosh, again, this person's slowing us down? Like, what was your thought process and, and your emotions behind that, that conversation? Yeah, definitely the latter. It's like, <laughs> don't have time for this. No. Yeah. No, not again. Mm-hmm. Right? Just get the work done. Who cares? <laughs> I mean, it sounds so bad, but that was my internal dialogue, which in retrospect, right? I realize, ouch. But even now in coaching conversations, maybe not to that extent, um, but I see patterns of this, of this, you know, my way is kind of the better way. Right. Weaved into um, stories or experiences that people have in, in the right, right place. Well, and I think that that's actually a really great thing for you to be transparent about is that at the time you thought, no, I'm, I am correct here. And there was a lack of curiosity on your part, which I think is actually encouraged if you are really good at your job and then you're promoted to be the manager, you're not really like taught to say, Hey, I know you did a really good job at this, but maybe there's other ways other people are going to do a really good job that are complimentary to you. So pause on your style and consider that like maybe the way you've always done things isn't the right way, even though it's what got you promoted. Right. I appreciate you being honest about the fact that in the moment you you were not even thinking, oh, what a good development opportunity for this person. You were just thinking, oh my gosh, not again. This person yeah. keeps making mistakes. It's time mm-hmm. for them to learn the right way. We got to go faster. Totally. And you're bringing up such a good point because we get reinforced through the promotion. A lot of people, right, yep. transitioning into leadership, they get reinforced. You're doing it right. Yep. You are delivering the results. You are reliable, dependable, um, yep. a hype achiever right? We want more of that. So we want you to lead the team. And in that message is, okay, great. So what I'm doing is working and I just now need to have a group of people doing it the way I'm doing it. Right. Yeah. I, and I was definitely falling in that trap and I see this now one of the, one of the, you know, one of the few, not few, one of the common uh, challenges that new managers face is that idea or misconceptions even that, on one hand, I need to have all the answers, right? I know, I need to right. know. And so therefore I have to sort of dictate or, or guide very much to for other people to do the, do the way that I'm doing it. Um, as well as I have to lead the way I like to be led and based right. on how I'm doing work. That's what we're here to do, which is right. completely wrong. Yeah, Everything you said is very like me-centric, which in one sense could sound selfish, but in another sense, it can sound like a whole lot of pressure on the new leader. Yeah. Um, 
I, I also, one of the other things I think about is what were you held accountable to at this time? What were your metrics that you had to stick to? Yeah, it was, it was results. It was, it was quality speed and efficiency. And, yeah. yeah. Speed and efficiency, right? Output. Yeah. 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 So it, it, it makes sense that you weren't encouraged. Like you had no incentive and, and no training to slow down and consider, oh, wait, we might actually move faster if we have different perspectives at the table here. Yeah, I think, you know, I think part of it was the circumstance of not Mm -hmm. having the, you know, the support in the moment or the coaching or the, in Mm -hmm. in fact, the training or tools like Cloverleaf that would have helped me build this awareness. And then in the other part, I think it was me too, Um, meaning that I was naturally inclined inclined to be results-driven, and that's my natural style, and not so people-focused or or really, yeah, less about how can I help you and more how can we get there fast. Right. And then also I came in with a a good good amount of confidence. And now, you know, as I'm helping new managers, I see there's – on this, there's this spectrum mm-hmm. on the confidence, and I talk about this in the book too, of being really uh, doubtful and concerned about this new role and worrying that maybe this is too big for me and who am I to lead and I don't know what I'm doing. And people in right. that on that side of the spectrum, they're usually more keen to jump into coaching programs or ask for leadership development training. Mm-hmm. And they are reading books even mm-hmm. ahead of their day one, right? And then on the other side, there are people who are very confident right? and they think, well, I'm definitely the strongest here. That's why I got promoted. And I've had a lot of success in the past. And this is just another challenge. I love it. I'm going to go for it. and I'm going to win it. And that confidence may help them lead the team and sort of show up and speak up and, and be confident. But then it yep. may shut them down, right? In terms right. of learning and being open-minded that, oh, this is a different ballgame. We're not just doing more. We're doing different. So interesting. Another thing I think is really interesting about your story, Ramona, is that you are like you just said, you weren't people focused. It's not your natural to be people focused, but now that's all you do. You coach people to be people focused. So how did that transform? What what was that transition? Well, I think this not that like the thing that is innate is still I want a result. I'm the way I develop my programs are very much measurable. I I need to see that what we're doing is creating an outcome for right. the other person. Uh, but I I also looking back even I was debating if I should study HR, focus on in my master's degree on on HR or in finance. And mm-hmm. I remember I was actually signed up. I signed up for HR and about two weeks into my master's program, I had this moment of panic. I'm like, what am I doing? I'm going to, no, 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 no. I don't want this. I'm going to jump and switch and actually start um, focusing on finance. And I do, looking back, I do recall or I see the threat that I was always interested in people's stories, in yeah. what's going on in their brain. Um, I just didn't have the maturity. It was all right. still about me versus yeah. Now I'm really interested in learning how brains work and how other people work and mm-hmm. helping them achieve results. I get a tremendous amount of satisfaction out of it. And I think that's just the way I channel, channel, it, channel it today. Yeah. yeah. It is still results focused, but it's results focused in support of other people, like supporting other people to achieve those results. And that's more satisfying than just yeah. white knuckling it through. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I, yeah, I love this work. I think it's... Um, I'm so beyond grateful to be able to help others through this through this journey. 
Yeah. All right. So Ramona, let's dig in a little bit into some help, some practical advice and help for new managers or seasoned managers. We all are always growing, right? Mm-hmm. You, We've kind of been touching on this, but I know a theme that you really focus on in your coaching is self-awareness and understanding yourself as a human and then as a leader and how that builds you towards understanding those that you're leading. So let's dig in a little bit more there. Yeah. Yeah. So when I look at leadership development, I think there are three pillars and I call this the APS or my APS method is often what I refer to it. And the first pillar is awareness. And I think anywhere Mm -hmm. on that journey, whether you're just new uh, in your first leadership role or you're scaling up and you're anywhere along on that leadership journey that's right more like a dimmer than a light switch we're always learning and growing (laughs) yes I like that analogy yes right and I think there are three pillars that we have to constantly iterate on and and try to optimize and adapt to the circumstances that we're dealing with the first one is awareness not just awareness Mm -hmm. about ourselves but equally um, about awareness about the people that we work with right the stakeholders the team members our own boss and trying to figure out what makes, what motivates them. How does their brain work? How do they make decisions? Mm -hmm. What excites them and inspires them? What is draining their energy? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I use Cloverleaf, as you know, as part in in my practice Mm -hmm. on a daily basis with my clients. And it's such a great tool to build that, that awareness. And I also, yeah, I also use Cloverleaf every day in my practice. (laughs) (laughs) I need it just as bad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But I I think that that's a a really good point is that like nobody has ever fully arrived at suddenly being the guru on understanding people. Like what you're talking about is a lifelong learning process and there's always new surprises. There's always new ways because we are so used to how we operate, you know, results driven, get stuff done right for you. And like, even in all the wisdom and knowledge that you and I have on this, we both, I'm sure, I know I do, so I won't speak for you, but I can default back to thinking, well, everyone else clearly sees this. Oh, no, they don't. And they're not motivated by that. And they are different. Oh, that's right. I knew this. I forgot. So I think that's a really good thing to call out is that it's a lifelong journey. It's a lifelong journey. And I think, Mm -hmm. you know, spending a lot of time in that in that space around developing awareness, self-awareness, as well as awareness of other people and those we work with, creates mm-hmm. a overall sort of a, I feel like this voice in my head that f- mo- changed from judgment of why would you say that? Why would you do that? Yeah. You know, yeah. if, if, why would you bring up this methodology? That <laughs> doesn't help us go faster or be- do it better. That judgment transformed into curiosity. And so every time someone says something that I think, where's this coming from? I immediately think about it, oh, something I'm not aware of, like help me understand mm-hmm. what, is, what your thought process is or help me understand what moti- motivates you yeah. to do this or to pursue it. And so, uh, so do you yeah, actually that's... ask that question or do you coach yeah. your, your managers to ask that question? Yeah, not, and, and not a why, like why would you say that? <laughs> Yes. Right. So it may th- sound like, you know, I'm coming from a very curious place, but then it sounds judgmental. But really, to yeah. in that moment, when we are see- confronted with a situation that is challenging interpersonally, yeah, to bring it bring it up, because oftentimes we either get frustrated, um, we have to, we withdraw from the conversation or we just come off too harsh and too yeah. judgmental in a moment. Yeah. But yeah, I do coach people on 
having that conversation and say like, hey, tell me about it. What what was going on for you? Yeah. Or what are you thinking with this? Yeah. Um, I want to understand because I trust that one, you want to do the best. Two, yes. you have p- positive, good intentions. And yes. therefore, it's just about me not seeing something that you're seeing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I love the help me understand. When I first heard that phrasing, I thought, well, that sounds very clinical. But I actually, the more that I use it, the more it's just very natural. Hey, help me understand why you did it that way. Help me understand what, why you're bringing up this problem for the third time now. I'm not seeing what you're seeing. I thought that, you know, this was simpler than that. Or, you know, just like, yeah. bring me into your perspective here. I, I really like yeah. that. And I think that's helpful. That's a helpful tactic to share with people is like, hey, I believe you're doing your best. I believe you're seeing something. I'm not quite there yet. Can you get me there? Can you help me? Yeah. Yeah. Or even righteous, my brain fu- is functions differently. Right. When I do, for example, trainings on the 16 types assessment, or we're looking at the dashboard. And sometimes right. I bring up a painting, which is really interesting. It, it, it somewhat like a, a painting with a lot of stuff on it. Right. And then I ask people to reflect, reflect back what they see. And you can immediately yes. tell that certain people with a certain... Um, outcome on the on a on a 16 types assessment we'll start talking about there's a waterfall or there's like you know there's clouds moving through the sky and then other people will say there is like a little cross on the right bottom of it Mm -hmm. and then there's a flower or looks like maybe Mm -hmm. maybe it maybe a sun Mm -hmm. on the top left and they see Mm -hmm. all this detail and I think it's Mm -hmm. so fascinating to realize yeah just because my brain works in one way (laughs) <laughs> that's not how the world is. That's just my brain. And yeah. when people see things that I don't see, it's about developing that on the, uh, the awareness and Absolutely. being curious to engage. Yeah. You know, that reminds me, Ramona, I was just listening to an IDEO podcast. I'm such a fan of IDEO. And um, they were talking about, I forget, it's some. It's like visual-based leadership or something. I forget what it's called. But um, they were talking about how just having like a 20 to 30-minute conversation about a painting is one of the mm-hmm. best ways to do team bonding and like get ready for a really challenging problem that you need to solve is just spend literally 20 to 30 minutes just – what, what do you see in this painting? And everyone yeah. just talking about it because we see such different things. And the more time you spend on it, the more you realize, oh my gosh, Scott thinks in this way. And yeah. Peggy oh, thinks in that way. Wow, that's so interesting. Yeah. It's like, I can't imagine seeing what you're seeing. It's I like, those moments, like, what are you seeing? It's like, it did not occur to me at all. Yeah. 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 So self-awareness really helps you, one, just start to understand your own biases and what, what what your defaults are, which are good. There are real strengths in that, but it also can open your mind to there are differences. There are different ways to see this. I could notice the little cross or I could notice the waterfall or whatever it is. And that can help you understand where to lean on your people and also just to be curious. That's what I hear you saying. Like, yeah. Be be curious, curious and ask open-minded questions. Totally. And I think that brings me to another uh, point in terms of what are some of the common challenges that new managers yeah. face. And I think one yeah. of them is that they often see a problem in a behavior, some something, someone acts in a way that we don't like or someone says something that we don't yeah. like. And then the manager's approach is to fix the behavior 
that we've experienced and go in and say like, Hey, when you do this, and even if they have a feedback framework, right. To say like, when you do this, this is the situation, then here's the impact. And I would appreciate if you did it differently next time. And let's use a very simple example. Someone coming late or joining meetings late on a regular basis. And the manager may feel like, you know what? I should probably bring this up. I would say you're coming late. It holds up the team. Please be on time. Right. Then it may, and a lot of people will recognize this situation. It will improve for about two weeks. And then after two weeks, you know what happens? They're back to coming late. Right, they're late. And I think when we're looking at the behavior, we're looking at the top of the iceberg. And we're not Mm -hmm. looking at what is on the, the bottom of the iceberg, what's actually creating this situation in the first place. I see this often when, when someone says, well, my employee's procrastinating on this thing. They're just not doing it. And right. I don't know why I keep asking and we keep moving the deadline and, and they're not delivering. And so I keep, you know, sending them reminders. I keep, I do everything I can to help them with this. And I say it and I say, yes, but you're talking about the top of the iceberg and that's important, but it's not enough because you have to get to the bottom of the iceberg and more experienced leaders will start to see these patterns. And what I mm-hmm. encourage new managers to do is to start off with that mindset of something's not working on the top. Yeah, I can bring that up. But then if that doesn't help, we got to go deeper and we got to look at, are yeah. they not confident that they can do this successfully? Is there something mm-hmm. that they're struggling with where they can't tell someone, they don't feel confident enough to tell someone, Hey, I have a hard stop. I got to go. Or right. where they feel they need to be on Slack and responding all the time because there's a sense of insecurity or un, un, um, lack of clarity in terms of expectations mm-hmm. um, and, and their availability. What is actually going on underneath it all that creates them or leads them to act a certain way? How, how might somebody dig deeper into that iceberg? Like what questions can they ask? What 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 things should they look for? How, how do they actually navigate that conversation? Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to bring it back quickly to Cloverleaf because Cloverleaf could actually be a good tool. I would probably say like, if your team is on Cloverleaf, look at it, right? Look at it first Mm -hmm. and think like, can I see something here that would give me a bit of an indicator Mm -hmm. um, to then dig deeper and say like, Hey, I noticed this, is this connected to this particular issue that we're having? Mm -hmm. Um, Tell me like, is there something that you see here that would help us understand what's going on? Yeah. But at the bottom of it, the core of it is to say, hey, I noticed we've, ha- we've talked about this before. It, it, it improves for a little bit, but then it seems like we're back into that same pattern. Yeah. What do you think the reason is for the pattern? Not looking for solutions. Too, too, we're often too quick to problem solve. Right. But if it comes to behavioral change, we can't just problem solve. Right. We have to understand the root cause of it first. Wow. That's so good. What do you like just asking, hey, what do you think is behind this pattern? Like, hey, we've talked about this pattern before. It's now clearly a pattern. What do you think is yeah. happening there? Why do you think? Yeah, this- what is happening? Mm-hmm. And even sometimes connecting it back to their personal lives, not being intrusive with questions about their personal lives, but yeah. an open question such as, so here's the pattern that I'm seeing. Is this a pattern that you see in other areas of your life as well? Like, and that may open them up like, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. that happens I see the same thing with family members or with with friends. Or yes, in fact, I've done that in past um, work engagements as well. And then dig deeper. Yeah. I mean, it it opens the door to vulnerability. It's a vulnerable Mm -hmm. conversation. (laughs) It could be, it could be not. 
It, it could be it not, but it, if, if we're looking to create behavioral change, mm -hmm. we have to show that impact is not, if someone isn't seeing that what they're doing is creating a problem, mm -hmm. then they're not going to change right? because change is hard. Yeah. And that's why they can do it for two weeks, but then it kind of gets hard, uncomfortable, and then they'll mm -hmm. switch right back. So mm -hmm. we want that. We have to, in one hand, we have to reduce the pain of change. We have to tell them, you know, I will support you. Um, how can we make this work for you? What are mm -hmm. some, you know, immediate steps, like small, how can we start with small steps that will get us there? That's right. one. But we also have to make sure that they understand the implications of this particular pattern. Like if someone right. frequently says something and then they don't follow through. Yep. That creates a lot of impact in terms of trust, dependability, um, People might not want to work with you because they can't rely on you actually delivering, even though you might be the smartest person and the most, you know, the one with the best expertise, their highest expertise right. on the team. Mm -hmm. If they can't trust you, they may choose someone else to right. be on that project. And so showing the implications that it has will help them feel more motivated to, to change. And if it expands into personal relationships, that's just connecting the dots that we're not a different person when we walk into an office. Or Which is... Is home. totally, yeah, that's totally true. Nobody is a different person in or outside of work. I actually really appreciate when my people feel comfortable enough to say, like, yeah, I, I totally do that with my boyfriend or with my wife, or, mm -hmm. you know, like <laughs> she would tell you all about it. And then we can have, you know, just we're just human here, you know, like mm -hmm. I I understand we're, we're all human here. And I think that it is a, a real interesting thing that people think they could or should be different in different aspects mm -hmm. of their life. You're still the same human. Um, and, and it's actually the more integrated we can be, the healthier we are, and the more we can just understand and relate to each other as humans too, which is really good. Um, so Ramona, what I hear you talking about is one of the things I really love about what you're talking about, by the way, is, you know, if you talk about somebody procrastinating or somebody saying they're going to do something and they don't do it, that so commonly happens and then just leads to a, a non-conversation, but where everyone starts to understand, you know what, I am not going to give Jackie an assignment that I need, that I depend on this much ever again, <laughs> you know, or like, oh, we just know that Sam won't deliver or whatever, yeah. you know. And I love that you're coming at it from a perspective of, hey, let's not make it a judgment. Let's actually have a, a curious conversation about what's happening there. And part of that is saying some, you know, critical truth of, hey there, Sam, you said you were going to do this and you didn't. This is the impact of that. Mm -hmm. Can you help me understand why why this happened. Let's dig into what is beneath mm -hmm. that iceberg, which the top of the iceberg is just, you didn't do it, you, you're a ball dropper, right? Um, that mm -hmm. is challenging, Ramona. That's really challenging. The easier thing to do is to judge the person and not rely on them anymore, right? Yeah, 100%. Because it requires some uncomfortable conversations, potentially. It does. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And it's, it's a middle ground conversation because it's also not the conversation of, hey, you really dropped the ball. That's a huge problem. Don't do it again, mm -hmm. which is mm -hmm. a little bit more comfortable than, hey, you dropped the ball. Here's the problems that that creates. Let's dig into why it happened. Mm -hmm. Let's go there together. All right, Ramona. Yeah, it takes courage. 
Oh, it takes courage. It does. Why is it that talking to people can be so scary and hard sometimes, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, I recently read that um, from research that the the social threats, right? The threat of being excluded socially actually mm -hmm. to our brain seems like physical pain. Um, and it makes sense, mm -hmm. right? It's like that survival instinct. We are mm -hmm. social creatures. And so anything that we do that seems that potentially could threaten social relationships or relationships, even in the workplace, yeah. they seem painful, truly do. <laughs> yeah, it really, it really does. I, I, I understand that so, so personally. Ramona, one last thing I want to touch on with you, because I know I've heard you talk about it before. Everything we've talked about today, obviously, can equip people to be more effective at work and more effective for the people that they lead, but it also impacts far beyond work. It impacts their whole life. So can you talk a little bit more about what you've seen and, and in your work, what you've seen for the people that you're able to coach, how that impacts beyond just the workplace? Yeah. And, you know, you said that earlier of you appreciate it when people say like, oh, oh my gosh, I see this, my boyfriend or my partner all the time. This is what right. they bring up. I hear this so often mm -hmm. when we do, you know, debriefs of assessments, for example, or we talk about listening and not immediately problem solving. So that co right. the coaching skills, we're so like, oh my gosh, I do this, not just at work. I do this at home. I always try to problem solve. That's just who I am. Like, well, maybe not. Mm -hmm. <laughs> maybe it's who you were mm -hmm. and then they start to look at because because like I said the um, we're not a different person at work than we are at home and that also means yeah. which is actually a really cool thing the moment we start to learn new skills we can practice them not just in workplace situations we can go out and practice them in in personal situations as well right. which will make us better humans in all areas of our lives and because we get to practice more and we don't restrict it just to workplace situations, we'll get better at it faster. Yep. And that could be through, you know, I realized that or my, my spouse said that I'm a better listener, that I actually ask questions before I try to problem solve. So that's a frequent one, something that I hear fairly common um, or fairly great. often. <laughs> right. I mean, that, we all want that. <laughs> I, we're we're kind of laughing about it, but that is like... That is trajectory changing, right? To, to go from a place yeah. of this was a thing that in my personal life continuously caused more and more tension. And now I, my spouse has actually noticed a mm -hmm. difference in me that I'm no longer doing that thing yeah. that's really annoying and is creating a pattern of like, oh, I just won't even open that conversation to, oh, we can, mm -hmm. we can better understand each other and mm -hmm. we can like that, that impacts a person's whole life and well-being. Because another thing is, if you had that conversation yeah. at 7 a.m. with your partner and you it was it didn't go well and it was that thing where you're just constantly trying to problem solve and it angers them and then you're exhausted, that's who you are at 8 a.m. for your first call, you know? So that's that that does 100%. impact yeah. everything, yeah. And another one that I hear often is, is so in the in my coaching programs, I talk often about sort of this differentiating the facts from our interpretation. So looking at yeah. what's a fact, what's a thought. And oftentimes people come back, you know, a week later, we'll talk again and we reflect on what happened or how they practice it. And they'll say, oh my gosh, my friend called 
and was venting about this particular situation or some you know challenge that they were going through. And I immediately listened and I looked for fact thought, fact thought. <laughs> and then I was wow. able to look back and say like, okay, so factually what happened is this and this, and you made that mean this and this. Mm-hmm. They're like, yeah, exactly. And I'm like, okay. And then, then they, they're able, it's not necessarily that they're trying to coach the other person without their permission. That's not what we're going for. But we're looking at, they become better friends because they can be so much more helpful by not just feeding into it and saying like, yeah, that is completely, you know, beyond acceptable and that is a, a disaster and you could never, ever do this. And instead, they start to differentiate <laughs> uh, what is actually factually happening versus what is the story in our yes. head. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. That's just so good, Ramona, because that, that does make you a much better friend. Sometimes you don't need the friends who are just going to like add fuel to your fire, but who are going to help you expand your own perspective. And yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's really beautiful. And maybe calm you down. Like, wait a second. That's not what this person said. This person said X, Y, C. Right. right. Could it mean something else? And then you know, like, yeah, you're right. Maybe I'm making too much of a deal out of this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's interesting because sometimes you think as a friend, like, ah, maybe I shouldn't say anything about the fact that I see, you know, whatever this pattern repeating in you. But actually, no, you really should. <laughs> That's what the best yeah. friends will do is help you totally. help you grow. Um, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And another another thing that we haven't exactly called out, but that I've really witnessed and personally experienced is that when you can have those conversations, whether it's with your family members, with your partners, with your coworkers, with the people you manage, with your friends, it 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 at first feels really uncomfortable. You know, going into it, uh oh, this might. This, I'm I'm not exactly sure how to navigate this, but it always ends up in deeper understanding of each other mm-hmm. and a more committed relationship. Maybe not immediately. <laughs> Sometimes it's a little rocky, um, mm-hmm. but it really does lead to a richer relationship, which is so much better, obviously, in your personal life. But that actually has huge implications at work. I mean, back to Ramona, your tie to efficiency, right? Like, actually mm-hmm. makes teams more efficient. It's not... Mm-hmm. The only reason to do it, but you will definitely benefit from 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 the results that come from those deeper relationships where people know that they're cared about and where they're able to further discover who they are. Why do they do those things they do, and and how can they leverage the good parts of those and grow beyond the blind spots of those things that they do? So, yeah, that's something I, I love love to see. And I, I've heard you say it throughout this conversation. Yeah. It, and like we just talked about, these things expand into all areas of our lives. Um, you know, I have three little kids. I notice it on a daily basis with my kids as well. Yeah. Where these little things come up where yeah. I think, you know, they're all so different. So <laughs> it really helps you see they're not, they don't have my brain. That's for, that's for sure. But then they also have, all of them have very much their own their own thing that gets them excited and where they feel recognized and how they feel valued. And right. Yeah. Yeah. My husband and I joke about it cause we saw it at the hospital room, like <laughs> within 24 hours of our two children being born, they were totally different and we could yeah. see it right away. <laughs> and it, it remains true. 
So yeah, I think that's a great thing to call out. Is it a lot of these things are innately just intrinsic to us, like whether we are, you know, what makes us feel appreciated, as you've brought up, but also like how do we solve problems? How do we see the world? To to your point of how do we see the painting? A lot of that Mm -hmm. we are actually born with. Nurture definitely plays a role in it, but nature is very strong. (laughs) Nature's very strong, yeah. And, yeah, and, and like, I think as parents, we really see this day in and day out, don't we? <laughs> you totally do. And and I think it's such yeah. an honor that managers and leaders have is that we actually have the position to help people see those things that are innate in them and what is good about them mm-hmm. and what where those can be applied for, for strengths, for better results. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think of like, my husband is super process oriented. I am not at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. that is like something that the more I can understand that, the more I understand where that makes our family better and where we can divide and conquer. Um, I think of people that I manage who like are very similar to me or very different from me and how I have been able to like dig through some of the tension that can come up from the fact that we're really similar or from the fact that we're really different and find better ways to lean on them to where I'm relieved and they're relieved and they're doing the stuff that they're proud of and they're growing yeah. beyond, you know, where they were even just like two months ago. And that's a huge, yeah. not only does it, is it a relief to everyone's life? It's also just a huge honor to get to play that role in somebody's life. It, it's also, totally. it's also a responsibility we have, right? Like it's not, yeah. it's not easy, but when you wade into those conversations, when you dig deeper into the iceberg, yeah, which I it's interesting. I read it's been a, a couple of years, maybe a year year ago or so. There is a professional network or a, a community. Let me put it that way: a sure. professional community um, online. And someone asked a question like, "Hey, you know, I'm a new manager. Um, what made well, like, who's the best person that ever managed you, and why were they the best manager you've ever had?" Great question. And I thought it was such a great question, right? Yeah. And of course. I was like all into the, the comments. I wanted to know what people said. And yeah. there were I have dozens and dozens of comments to this. And the common thread in all of those mm-hmm. was that the manager saw something in them that they didn't see. The manager believed in them more than they believed in themselves. Mm-hmm. The manager instilled confidence in them and challenged them mm-hmm. to do more and to do better. And it wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't about other stuff. It was really about how they made us feel feel about ourselves Mm. and that stood out it was black and white so obvious that that was the theme that all the people who responded said no you know such a clear answer the best manager I ever had was this person and this is why I want to be that leader yeah I mean yeah I think it's it takes it it takes I think for some people this may be natural the natural thing to do for most people this it requires intentionality. It requires really to make that our goal to be that kind of manager and then yeah. also doing the work, right? And to, to get to that place where we can it, it highlight their strength, call it out, mm-hmm. uh, instill that confidence, have these kind of conversations. Right. Dig yeah. into what makes them work. And, and, and even if it is natural to you, you still have to always work at it, right? Like it, it is, you're still going to be tired some days. And to our point earlier, like your, you, when you first became a manager, you were held to results. Like 
that does not directly tie to building up your people <laughs> who are different from you and that you don't understand yet, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's not clear how the fa- how like if you slow down to take the time to do to be that manager who like really understands your people and sees their potential more than they do and believes in them more than they believe in themselves, how that actually might create a bit of a wandering path at first, but gets you to the place where you get your results. But when that's not clear to us, when we've not seen that before, it's just not intuitive and it's, and it's really hard work. So absolutely, I believe everyone should go buy your book then <laughs> to, I, I figure, believe so too. <laughs> to figure out how to navigate that. I, I really appreciate some of the tactics and um, like frameworks that you talked about, like uh, today talking about the iceberg. When you see a pattern repeating, definitely call it out, have the conversation, but dig deeper. It's not about the behavior. It's about what's happening underneath the surface because out of your beliefs or out of your, um, you know, just the way you're wired, that's where your behavior ends up coming from. Um, I also really appreciate you saying, Ramona, be curious. And specifically, Mm -hmm. don't use the word why. Why did you do that? Because that is inflammatory. But be curious and actually ask those questions of, hey, help me understand. Hey, what specifically was going on in this situation? Can you you show me? Can can you take me deeper (laughs) to see what was going on? Um, And then also your most recent one, you said, what's the fact versus what's the thought? And separating those two. I think those are all really helpful tactics that anybody can take away, but especially if you are in leadership. I also always want to call out, even if you're not specifically in a title of leadership, you are always leading. Everyone. 100%. Everyone. Even if this is your first job in high school, you're leading the culture around you. You're you're influencing Mm -hmm. in everything that you do. So everyone can be that great leader who sees the potential in everyone around them, even if it's not in your title yet. Yep, absolutely. All right, Ramona, so much wisdom. If people want to keep hearing from you or connect with you, how can they find you? Um, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, I post there quite frequently. Also, RamonaShaw.com is my website, and the book is called The Confident and Confident New Manager, available on Amazon. Awesome. Thank you so much, Ramona. Thank you. Really appreciate your time with us today. And I want to give a specific shout out to our producers, Nicole Chance and Michael Meyer. Thank you so much for making this look good. This was our first ever virtually recorded podcast. Ramona, thanks for working through the kinks with us. And everyone be sure. Flawless execution. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) That is Nicole and Michael right there. That's we they get all the credit for that. Um, And everyone make sure you tune in to the next episode of People Are Complicated. Thanks so much. 